Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Maize and Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. The podcast that knows peyote can be a lot of fun, but you should never actually want your football team to play Bama. I am Jared Stormer of maizeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate. Andy, you figment of my imagination brought on by Huffing Chemicals. How the hell are you, my friend? I'm doing well, sir. I also am not too sure about wanting Bama, but alas, here we are. We have Bama, and like we were saying last week, it's impossible to overlook this one when you're playing uh, the best team of the decade. Pretty, <laughs> pretty wide margin. Yeah, this team has only had th- more than two losses one time in the last 11, 12 years. So, yeah, safe to say they're the biggest dynasty in the modern era of college football. And Michigan is, uh, well, we don't know what Michigan is. Somewhere near the middle of the road, but with a great opportunity in front of them. But yeah, I don't want Bama. It'll be it'll be fun to watch. I'm tuning in, but give me like a Washington or a Utah or uh, yeah, something like that any day of the week. Yeah, I never try to, I never want to put too much stock into bowl games. I always look at this as the ne- the first game of next season. But with Alabama on the plate, it's, you can't overlook that this is an opportunity to wipe away the sins of Ohio State to get Michigan up for something. And if you give Alabama their first three-loss season since 2010, that says something. Yeah, it's not nothing. So we'll get into that, but uh, some minor tidbits wanted to touch on before we get into that Bama matchup. 
Uh, on some personnel news, sounds like both Carlo Kemp and Quiddy Pay are likely to return to Michigan. Obviously good news, but how big is this for the defense? Carlo Kemp news is just, it can't be measured how important that is. Defensive tackle is a huge question mark coming back in the next season. This helps alleviate some of that concern. Not all of it, but it definitely helps. Quiddy Pay, defensive end is pretty, pretty loaded. But bringing him back just solidifies the position even more. And you, it never hurts having a starter return and also a two-year, almost two-year starter return because he played so much in 2018. So, no, this is joyous news. We should all celebrate. This is joyous news. It really is. And you hit the nail on the head with Carlo Kemp being the bigger piece here. It almost had to happen. If it didn't happen, you're looking at that defensive tackle depth chart and you're, you're panicking. It's still not great, even with him coming back. You're basically running with Carlo Kemp, Chris Hinton, and Maisie Smith, two of which are completely unproven. You like what you see out of Chris Hinton as a freshman, but very, very raw. So Carlo Kemp's going to come back, and he's going to be your starting defensive tackle. He's barely going to leave the field. But still a very undersized defensive front as it sits right now. It is. And Carlo Kemp coming back not only provides just experience on the inside, it's a leader in the locker room, a voice to command all the new guys in there and help get them initiated into the system and show them the ropes and how to do things and how to carry yourself. Carlo Kemp, if anything, on the field, off the field, he has just been a tremendous leader and like the exact pinnacle of what you want a Michigan player to be. The way he carries himself, the way he's earned his keep here, the way he proudly plays for Michigan. No, this is great intrinsically just for the players, the leadership, everything off the field. I couldn't be more excited to have another year of him. Yeah, that's a great point about the leadership that he brings. I mean, this guy's going to be a team captain. You can pretty much put that in pen. Um, just a, a team guy, very much a Michigan man and a quality player too. So uh, like I was saying, you know, undersized and he makes the interior of our D line when he's going to be playing that much. It makes the interior a little bit undersized. But yeah, what he's going to do for guys like Maisie Smith and guys that are coming up on that on that depth chart, it's going to be invaluable. So this is a huge, huge, very necessary pickup for Michigan. And then Quiddy Pay, I don't want to understate that as well. We'll be losing Mike Dana and Josh Uche. So while we were pretty deep at pass rusher, it doesn't look quite as deep next year. And you're hoping some young guys are ready to take a step up. This gives you a great insurance policy with one of our most well-rounded players coming back. Yes, it really does. That helps coming back. He's going to have something to prove. It's not set in stone he's coming back, but it's more than likely once he gets his draft once he gets his draft grade back from the NFL. He has things he needs to work on. Aiden Hutchinson's a monster. Anybody wants to play alongside him at the other end is going to produce. So, yeah, this helps tremendously. And only thing Carlo Kemp needs to focus on this offseason is not Christmas, it's thickness. We need to put on a little bit of size here, Carlo. I'm talking two-season thick. We need to get a little beefier on the interior. Yeah, he really does. He could get a little bit bigger. Quiddy Pay is already ready to go. He's a guy that looks like he could teach you the values of friendship, fix your snowblower, and then also kick you and your family's ass. <laughs> we so just like, have to get him to face the right direction when J.K. Dobbins is running at him. Oh, yeah, that was a thing. Yeah, <laughs> but it wasn't a great day for anyone on that defense. I'm not going to single out Mr. Pay, uh, especially since I'm pretty sure he could actually remove my spinal column from my body. So. <laughs> That's very true. I'll, I'll still point it out just because he was spinning in a circle like my niece does at birthday parties. But <laughs> um, besides Michigan, what they already have returning, where else could they turn for some help in the interior? 
I mean, you pretty much have to go to the transfer portal because you don't really have any help coming in and any highly recruited defensive tackles this year that you think are going to be starters coming in. So uh, you you hope Maisie Smith develops and you can count on him. Chris Hinton, you feel pretty good about him coming back with a year in that program. But I think they're going to have to go to the transfer portal. And uh, there's a couple guys that stand out. The two guys from Stanford, both a little undersized. um, Bo Peak probably being the better of those two between him and Jovan Swan. He's 6'3", 290. Those guys make a lot of sense with the academic standards at Stanford and Michigan and you know, still wanting to, to further your education that way. Um, another guy that I'm really looking at, though, is the son of former Lions great Robert Porsche IV, 6'3", 275. Uh, he's at Virginia Tech currently. So that's a guy I'm looking at. But regardless, I think they've got to go looking in the transfer portal this year. If we get somebody named Bo Peak and we don't call him Bo Peep, is that just like crimes against humanity? Look, we'll make sure that that's happening within seconds of the ink drying on that. <laughs> I, I think you're dead right, though, with the transfer portal, and I think Michigan's going to pay attention to it. They've landed splash transfers the last two years in Mike Dana and Shea Patterson, so I think that's going to be something they look at. And the Stanford guys do make a lot of sense because, as you pointed out, the academics, they transfer right over. You don't want to go from – Stanford to, no offense, Arizona State. You want to go from Stanford to another institution of higher learning that is held to that standard so you can further your career on and off the field. Yeah, I agree. So those guys make a lot of sense. Um, Robert Porsche, I have no reason that he would look at Michigan other than I know his father clearly has Michigan ties. Uh, but there's also uh, this guy, Isaac Walker from UCF. I know nothing about him other than he's 6'4", 350. And after what J.K. Dobbins did to the interior of our line, I say just put him there, sit him in a lawn chair, and have him take up some space. I'm very fine with that. Just clog up the A gap, sometimes stretch out to the B gap since you're probably as wide as you know French doors. Yeah, I'm all for this. I'm all for Isaac Walker. I have no idea if he's good or not, but he's massive. Yeah, <laughs> and at this point, we'll take it. Uh, any other positions you could see them looking to the transfer portal to try and bolster? Maybe corner. Maybe maybe corner next year after Levert Hill leaves. You have Amory Thomas and Vincent Gray out there. Then you might need a little more help than that. I'm not sure, especially if somebody enters the market that you're after. Maybe a guard since you're going to lose Bredesen. Onmanu's gone, right? Yep, Onmanu will be gone. Onmanu's gone. Runyon's gone. But we have we have some depth in O line, but mostly tackle. So maybe the interior of the O line or corner off the top of my head. Do you have any? Uh, you see it the same way I do. Corner would be my number one, followed by interior guard and uh, guard more so just as an insurance policy. You got a lot of names there that are pretty highly recruited with Nolan Rumler and Zach Zinter, and the future of the guard position is definitely on that roster somewhere. Um, you just hope that, you know, you could bring somebody in to maybe compete with Chuck Filiaga for next year, um, as we have no idea if Chuck Filiaga is even alive still. It kind of just eases the pressure of underclassmen stepping up. Yeah, absolutely. But corner makes a ton of sense. You uh, you know, it was a position that I was really, really stoked on a couple of years ago, but just a few transfers and all of a sudden cornerback looks like a position of need. Um, we're currently crystal balled to land a really, really good cornerback prospect out of California that I'm excited about. I think he's out of California. Um, 
But if we don't get him, I would definitely go looking in the transfer portal for a cornerback as well. You know, you lose Miles Sims and Benjamin St. Juiced, and those are probably guys that we'd be counting on for minutes at this point. So that's a position I would look at as well. Could Dax Hill play corner? He might. I mean, he might. He looked pretty sticky in coverage at, at times. I mean, I think I would need to see more of him in man-to-man, but that dude looks like he can do about damn near anything. Yeah, he's fast enough, and at six feet one ninety, he fits a good sized corner to play out there. So that'd be something I'd like to see. Yeah, I'd like to see it as well. But yeah, you lose Lavert Hill. Ambry Thomas had a pretty good season, an up and down season. If he takes another step, you feel pretty good about one of your cornerback positions. But Vincent Gray needs to take a much bigger step. Yes. Um, and then you're and then you're hoping for development of somebody you haven't really seen yet. You're hoping like an Andre Selden or some one of the young guys can come in or one of the Green brothers can come in. So, yeah, I like that. I mean, in, in fact, the more we talk about it, the more I think they should look for a corner in the transfer portal. Sammy Faustin, baby, it's time. about, <laughs> But, yeah, he's like all that's left of the once-heralded cornerback recruiting class we had. It's crazy, man. What do you think about the – News out of Columbus that Chase Young might return. Would you rather see Chase Young again, who registered zero tackles against Michigan, or J.K. Dobbins? Uh, I see what you're saying, but I want no part of Chase Young coming back to that team. Why would you do that? You're a defensive end. You're getting your degree from Ohio State. This isn't Stanford. Like This, is, <laughs> this isn't Harvard. Like At best, you're going to be qualified to work at an Arby's. <laughs> Go to go get your bag, man. But to be honest, yeah, J.K. Dobbins has killed us way more than Chase Young has. So I, I see what you're saying there. Yeah. Um, but no way he does that. No, it's all smoke. But I would much rather see Chase Young next year than J.K. Dobbins. I want no part of J.K. Dobbins ever again. No. And there's some people saying he might actually be the best running back uh, prospect in this class. Like he's flying up boards and. You watch the tape, and I get it, man. Like, he's impossible to bring down at first contact. I, I don't want any more J.K. Dobbins. I don't want any more Justin Fields. I don't want any of them. Now, let's settle down on the draft boards, people. Um, our guy in Wisconsin, Jonathan Taylor, had to do so, and his quarterback had a noodle for an arm, okay? 1,900 rushing yards, and his quarterback couldn't throw the ball further than seven yards, okay? No. Jonathan Taylor get- puts respect on his name. I love it. I, I mean, I think I'm I'm with you 100%. But you could argue that that's kind of just part of what Wisconsin's doing. And by like necessity, they have to run Jonathan Taylor way more than they have to run J.K. Dobbins. Malarkey. It's black and white. Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It is close. And J.K. Dobbins is really good. We knew that when he was a freshman, that he was a special kind of kid. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a problem. But yeah, we I mean, we were able to mostly neutralize Chase Young. It was just everybody else on their team that was able to beat us. Chase Young had zero tackles, was suspended for two games, and was still a Heisman finalist over Jonathan Taylor. It's pretty gross. But honestly, I'd rather Ryan Day go to the NFL than any of these guys. Probably get better Botox deals. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever he's getting it from now, he's certainly not lacking. <laughs> Keeps him in business in Columbus. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's actually 71 years old. <laughs> yeah, he's older than Greg Madison, you know, you, just, you can't tell. <laughs> he's just been getting Botox since he was 14. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but back to Alabama, so that was just a gloriously fun tangent. They have some news that we don't have to deal with right now. We don't have players sitting out, but they got a couple. Yeah, it sounds like Terrell Lewis, uh, combo linebacker, defensive end, pass rushing extraordinaire, and uh, Trevon Diggs, their number one corner, both sitting out. 
That's this is great news. Josh Uche's going pro, but he's still playing the bowl game. And by all indication, most players are going to play in the bowl game. There have been rumblings of, you know, some indecision, but we'd be hearing about it sooner than later. Yeah, I mean, this is great. We get to sit out these two NFL guys for checks notes, two more NFL guys behind. (laughs) I mean, it it, it makes a difference, but I would much prefer that one of their or two of their ridiculous wide receivers were sitting out. Yeah, they could just sit out Judy. I feel I feel better or rugs or, you know, any of them, but. At least some stud defenders are, but as we're going to get into, scoring for Michigan isn't going to be our primary concern heading into this matchup. No, exactly. So while this does help, and Lewis and Diggs are both studs, uh, Diggs especially, uh, this does free things up a little bit for our wide receivers. Um, And, you know, Bama did not have their typically sticky secondary this year. They got players, but they were they allowed some uh, some passing down the field this year. That was pretty uncharacteristic of what we've seen from Bama. So I don't want to gloss over it, but. It's not it's not the guys sitting out that you'd really want to see, the Najee Harris's and Jerry Judy's of the world. We're not calling Alabama pushovers per se. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to quite come out and say that just yet. I'm I'm hinting at it. <laughs> We're just gonna beating around the bush here, but yeah, Jerry Judy, Ruggs, Devontae Smith, all those guys are going to play because this is a big stage for both teams. This is like an East West Shrine game, a North South game. This is when you can go up against fellow NFL talent and really make a statement. It, it is. And yeah, there's going to be a ton of them. And I can't wait to talk about some of the individual matchups, which we will do when we get back right after this. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Welcome back to Out of the Blue. We are looking ahead to our bowl game opponent, None other than Alabama, the most dominant team maybe of all time uh, over this last decade. Michigan gets their chance on them in the Citrus Bowl. And, you know, while you, you hear Bama and you immediately begin to panic, when you break it down to the individual matchups, there's a lot of matchups in this game that are going to be fun to watch. 
there's a ton to focus on. And like we said before the break, this is NFL talent on NFL talent, fringe NFL talent in some positions that really could ascend draft boards and possibly leave. Like if you're a Levert Hill and you take out a Judy, a Waddle, a Ruggs, a Smith, a player like that, you're just going to, you, he could fly into the top 10 as people has been as, as high as people have been on Levert Hill. Yeah, no, that could easily be something that happens if you shut down somebody like this. Top 10 might be a stretch, but first round, absolutely. You know, he's 5'11 five, five and 5'10 and a half, so he could, he could do it. Yeah, he's one of the top corners they're looking at. This Alabama team has four receivers averaging over 17 yards a catch. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. I saw a statistic posted about uh, how many times they had all four of their receivers with Judy, Devonta Smith, Henry Ruggs, and Jalen Waddell on the field. It was one of the most successful packages in all of college football. It's almost unstoppable when you put that kind of speed on the field. It is speed and space. What we're trying to get to, they already have. Yeah, this is the example. You open the textbook of speed and space. This is it. This is what Josh Gaddis came from, though. And that's a matchup to watch because he knows what they can do, what they can't do, what they struggle with. How to help the defense understand this is going to be critical to Michigan's success defensively. It's, I mean, it's such a tough ask for both Lavert Hill and Ambry to be one on one with either of those guys. Ambry Thomas is a little faster than Lavert Hill, so he's got a chance. But Henry Ruggs is is stupid fast. Yeah, he's the he's the kind of fast that makes other guys not look fast. <laughs> he is, and Jerry Judy is one of the hardest tackles in open space in all of college football. Yeah, it, it's a problem for those guys. And Vincent Gray, I mean, he's our third corner, so. Take your pick between Jalen Waddell and Devonta Smith, but one of them is going to absolutely torch Vincent Gray in this game. That's just going to happen. Now, how is their secondary going to pair up against Nico Collins, Peoples-Jones, especially a Peoples-Jones that's pissed off from his performance against Ohio State, the Ronnie Bells of the world? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think that it actually matches up favorably well. Uh, No Trevon Diggs, the... I mean, he's a tall, tall corner, so that would have been a fun battle with him and Nico. So now Nico likely gets Xavier McKinney, another NFL guy, uh, or DPJ gets him. He's their best corner, and he's extremely talented, but they're going to get opportunities against this guy. I would say Jeffrey Okuda is better than Xavier McKinney, and uh, I mean, granted, Okuda had a pretty good game. He got there early on a lot of balls, too, but so that's a, that's a very interesting one. Nico and DPJ against Xavier McKinney. How do you see this battle? Well, both of them have a lot to prove. Nico kind of, I mean, say what you will about Okuda getting there early. He really took Nico out of this game. He had a drop. DPJ had a couple drops as well as a touchdown. But they have a lot to prove in this. This is a big step forward game for them. So if they are thinking, which they probably should be, about going pro this season, this is where they can make the most of it. I think McKinney will see most of DP or most of Nico Collins in this matchup. So expect Nico to really try to body up and do something big for this game. I expect him to be locked in like we haven't seen before. Yeah, going against a team that highly recu- heavily recruited him. Uh, Nico's from Alabama. He looked at going to Bama, decided to go to Michigan in the end. So these are probably a lot of guys that he knows. And yeah, a chance to really move up the draft boards. You got shut down by Okuda, and you were already kind of a fringe day two prospect. I mean, you can get right back up into that category here with a big game against Xavier McKinney. So I think we'll be able to move the ball on offense. I'm not as concerned about that. So it's some of the other matchups that got me concerned. So uh, what's another one you want to highlight? There's a ton of them. 
Let's talk about um, assuming Raekwon Davis is going to play. He's questionable right now. He's a little banged up. But let's assume he's going to play with some rest against Ben Bredesen, Cesar Ruiz, and Mike Onmanu on the interior. Yeah, that's another big one. Raekwon Davis, another NFL guy. I mean, everybody on their team is probably going to make an NFL roster at some point, at least get a look. And Raekwon Davis is one of the best defensive tackles in all of the SEC. Uh, numbers down a little bit this year, but as a defensive tackle, you're not really going to see huge, huge numbers. Um, Cesar Ruiz, I, I'm incredibly high on. We know what we've got with Bredesen, but Cesar Ruiz, I think when you turn on the tape, you're going to see a uh, an NFL center here, and he's got a chance now against Raquan Davis, uh, as well as Bredesen against Raquan Davis, to to really show what they've got against an NFL player. Yeah, if they can keep Shea Patterson clean, the Michigan will be in this game. I, I'm confident they can hopefully establish some runs. I say hopefully and confident in the same sense, but I think they can get the run going, and then they can keep Patterson clean back there. That's the key to this offense. If he's clean, they're going to move the ball no matter what. They did it yeah. against Ohio State. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I like that you mentioned, you know, you're, you're optimistic, you're hopeful that we can run the ball. I am less optimistic, but if we can get movement on the inside, if these guys are able to run block against Raekwon Davis and Anthony Jennings and those guys, I mean, that bodes well for their draft stock and for our chances. Um, we didn't run the ball as well as we wanted to against Ohio State. A lot of that was on the running backs. The offensive line actually had a pretty good day. So I, I think our offensive line should perform admirably here. I think they will. And Michigan didn't run the ball effectively against Ohio State because they didn't very, do it very often. I think Gaddis, as a first-year play caller, kind of panicked when they were behind and felt rushed to catch up. So they kind of abandoned that part of the game. They could have slowed it down and really taken the air out of the game. So I expect to see the run more factored in. And you mentioned Anthony Jennings. This is the culmination of the John Runyon domination tour of everything he's done this season. Man, I don't know how when you turn on John Runyon's film, you don't look at an NFL prospect. Look at who he's done it against. He's going to end up going against every good pass rusher that you project to go in the first round. He did it against Gross Matos. He did it against Epinesa. He did it against Chase Young. And now he gets Anthony Jennings. What more do you need to see from John Runyon? Yeah, I don't care if he's playing guard or tackle. He has to be a highly touted prospect. I'm sure he's going to show out at the NFL Combine, and then he'll move up. But this season, he's the player I've been the most wrong about at Michigan. Because two years ago against Notre Dame, when the year prior when he subbed in, I was out. I did not think he would ever develop. It was done, throwing the book. But that's why they know more than I do. He came yep. in, and he's been arguably the best Wolverine on the team. I mean, you could make that argument. I probably would pick a couple guys ahead of him, um, including his line mate, Ben Bredesen. But, I mean, it's a fair argument. I'm not going to hate it. I mean, his individual performances against some of those guys, that's a pretty strong case. Yeah, that just the left side of the line, those two together, if it's a package deal, those are the best Wolverines. What they've done this season, we never thought they would do that. No, no, very impressive. And I expect them to have a good game here. Um, I mean, Anthony Jennings will probably get his. And I mean, overall, that Bama defense is probably going to get theirs. But I wouldn't expect Runyon to lose a lot of one-on-ones. He just It just doesn't happen that much anymore. He's as steady as they come. Yeah, it's been great to see. And, but like we said, we're not super worried about Michigan's offense. What we want to focus on is their defense. So let's flip back to the other side of the ball. We already touched on the secondary matching up with just the monstrosity, the quadumvirate of receivers that they're going to trot out there and spread everything out with. But let's talk about something more in the interior. A, for a very sought-after, highly touted Michigan recruit that went to Alabama, Najee Harris, going against 
Cam McGrone, Jordan Glasgow, and Kali Hudson, the linebacking cores. Oof, this is where I get worried. This is the matchup that I do not like. Najee Harris is a big, strong, fast, physical running back. Uh, maybe maybe more physical than J.K. Dobbins. He just has a little bit higher center of gravity. I mean, this is a problem. We saw what J.K. Dobbins was able to do when he gets past the defensive tackles and gets to that second level. Oh, boy. I, it may happen again here with Najee Harris. He's a tremendous receiver out of the backfield. He's explosive. I mean, he can do a lot for them, and I think they're going to ride him in this game. Outside of Alabama's big four receivers, he is their number five leading <coughs> leading receiver in yards this season. He is a big back, and they are going to pound him and pound him inside and then open things long with that plethora of talent at receiver. But as Ohio State pointed out, Michigan sacrificed some size for speed this year, and that made him a little soft in the interior. So until they show that they can stop it, that should be Alabama's game plan and their game plan only. Yeah, Michael Blum for, uh, you know, this is your last year at Michigan. You want to prove that you're an NFL talent? Here's a shot. You know, have a great game here. And, you know, if you can slow Najee Harris down, you're not going to stop him. But if you can just slow him down and limit the damage so that they're not getting eight, nine, ten yards a carry, and it's more in the two, three, four yards a carry, well, that's going to that's gonna reflect well, and it's going to give us a much better chance to stay in this thing. Yeah, you have to put the game in their unproven quarterback's hands. What's his name? Mac, Mac Jones. It's not Tua back there, so you have to put the game in Mac Jones's hand. And that's you can't just let him take the air out of the game and pound the ball and run the clock. It has to be a shootout. Look at what Auburn just did to them. Auburn's offense had been sputtering a little bit with Bo Nix, but it has to become a shootout. And that's Michigan's best chance, and you can't let them just run the ball and drain the clock all game. No, definitely not. And, yeah, you're definitely not as afraid of Mac Jones, which sounds like the quarterback you would get in a Happy Meal uh, versus Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, those are totally different animals. So you got to feel a little bit better about that. But you said exactly what they're going to try and do, and that's going to be uh, run Najee Harris down the middle, set up play action. So that's my first key to the game is keep Najee Harris kind of in check. I say that – with air quotes, because I don't think you're going to be able to stop Najee Harris. I mean, they've got a tremendous offensive line. Both of their tackles are probably first rounders. So they're going to be able to move the ball with Najee Harris. But if you can keep him under a hundred yards and two touchdowns, yeah, that that'll help you a lot. And you'll get a shot. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's a big win. And the first key to slowing down their offense. Secondly, it's just limiting their wide receiving unit. It's taking away the big play. That's how the Buffalo Bills have revamped their defense this season. Their whole philosophy is just eliminate the big play. Keep everybody in front of you. If Michigan can do that, they're going to be able to contain this game, not let them just strike like K.J. Hamler against Penn State or Chris Olave of Ohio State. Keep everybody in front of you. Don't get caught with your eyes in the backfield. Just be aware of your space, everything in your space, Keep an eye on the talent around you and just don't let them get behind you. If you can just limit them to whatever you're able to, even if it's a 30-yard gain, as long as it's not a touchdown, that's a win for the defense. Yeah, somebody's going to break free at some point for a touchdown, but so long as it's only like one or, or even two, if that's it, you still have a chance. But you cannot just let them be hucking it up and get into some crazy big you know, deficit where you're trying to come back like against Ohio State and then make our offense one-dimensional. So you're absolutely right. Keep everything in front of you and do do your best is basically what we're saying against that wide receiver core. We're basically saying good luck and uh, give it your best effort, guys.
Yeah, this isn't a game we're gonna be like, oh man, they're just letting Judy torture us. Yeah, no, no, it doesn't work like that, guys. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's what he does to everyone. So, but uh, on the flip side of that, I think Michigan, I think they should be very aggressive in this and attack through the air and, and go for some big plays. I like what you were saying that you can't abandon the run and there's a chance that that's part of their game plan. But I think the way to attack this Alabama team is through the air. And I think that some of the intermediate, some of the crossing routes, uh, DPJ and Ronnie Bell getting loose there underneath some stuff that they wanted to do against Ohio State was still a good plan of attack. It's just the execution wasn't there. So I'll be all right with, you know, an aggressive play style play calling against this Alabama team and trying to get some big plays of your own. Yeah, you you have to attack them. So even if the running game's not working, like we've seen it struggle ever since Notre Dame, open it up, spread them out. Like I said, Josh Gaddis knows this team. He knows the strengths, knows the weaknesses, knows how to exploit them. Spent a season with Nick Saban, for God's sake. He knows what he's going to think. So this could be his finest hour to call back to Harbaugh at Penn State. This could be his moment to really shine and show that he can do this on his own and attack the master. You know, because Nick Saban with a month to prepare is supposedly unbeatable, and he has been for the most part. So, yeah, line them up, spread them out, get your speed in space again. A lot of Ronnie Bell, a lot of Sainter Strill, the guys underneath. That first opening, that opening drive against Ohio State is just textbook what I want to see Michigan do in this game. Yep, absolutely. Um, get your speed out there. Use your various pieces. It's going to be tough to run on this Bama team. I just don't see them coming in and having like we did against Notre Dame where we're running the ball for 200-something yards. They're just too big. They're too fast. They're too physical. You might be able to get some chunk plays here or there, but they're just they, it does not match up well for us to go in and pound the rock a bunch. So attack where you can, and that's that's exactly like you were saying, how we attacked Ohio State on that first drive and how we wanted to attack them throughout the game, but execution was trash. Yeah, it was, but I think we can run the ball on this team more so – than previous years they've only held two opponents to under 100 rushing yards and those teams were western carolina and southern miss new mexico state put up 101 on them south carolina 135 and old miss put up 280 on them a lot in garbage time but i think we can be i think we can pound the ball on them a little more especially than previous seasons there's no just monsters on the interior this season besides raekwon yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's none of the, uh, like, what's the kid? Uh, what was it, Robinson last year that went top yeah, three? Yeah, Jonathan Allen or people like that. And yeah, they've just had some absolute monsters up there in the middle. So, yeah, b better than, than previous years, but once again, just big, fast, physical. Pretty typical of an Alabama team. So, uh, yeah, and my last uh, my last key to this game, pray. Just just pray. <laughs> just, just, just pray to God, Michigan fans. This is a bowl game. A lot's going on. It's Christmas time. Finals happened. And that means something at Michigan. We don't all have cars with dealership stickers on them. It's it's going to be a tough game. So just be, just be careful. Be modest. You know, it's a bowl game. Keep that in mind. Yep, absolutely. Let's get some predictions, brother. You got one for me? Or you want me to go first on this one? You go ahead. I'll follow up. All right. So I want to say, you know, get – get the hype train going, get all rah-rah about it again. But this is a rough matchup for Michigan. They're going to be fired up for it, though. And I think that'll keep this a game early on. And I could even see another deal where Michigan scores first and Bama has to wake up. But once they do, 
I think Bama's just too well coached. Um, they're going to have a month to prepare for this Michigan team. They're going to figure out exactly what Ohio State did and probably try and replicate that. Michigan's just got to execute better, and I think they will execute better in this one. But I just see Saban and and that offense running Najee Harris wild all over Michigan, using him all over out of the backfield, uh, finding unique ways to get the ball into Jerry Judy and Ruggs' hands and Devonta Smith, weapons all over that Bama team, and they're all playing. So while I think we'll be able to score, uh, especially early on, I think they're going to be able to score more. So I've got it 35-21 Alabama, uh, Najee Harris and Anthony Jennings as your players of the game. But I, I expect uh, Michigan to perform admirably and not to be embarrassed at, at the, after this bowl game. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm more or less the same. That would be holding Alabama to their lowest point total of the season or tying it. They scored 35 against Tennessee, 135-13. And it's crazy that's the lowest point total they've scored this season. I see it right about the same. Same players of the game. I think that that's how they're going to win it. Turnover from Jennings, shutting down the bigger receivers, and then Najee Harris just pounding the rock. As far as score goes, I have Alabama winning 41-30. to I think Michigan competes admirably, but there's too much talent at receiver. I don't have the faith in Don Brown after what we saw last. Maybe call that a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately argument, but I'm sorry. It's burned into my memory from the last two years to end the season. So I hope I'm wrong. We, predict, we predicted every game correct this year except for the Ohio State game, so I hope we're wrong one more time. Yeah, I'd be all right with being wrong on this one, and yeah, I would not want to be Don Brown right now. I honestly feel bad for him. The guy's a good defensive coordinator, and he's got to try and figure out a way to scheme against the best four-wide receiver set I've ever seen with two decent quarterbacks and one below-average one. Yeah. Like, that is, I don't, that is a tough ask. Yeah, this is – you're coming off – an embarrassment of your career when all the focus was on you and now you're tasked with this. I, it almost feels unwinnable for him. So just let's, let's taper the hot takes guys. Let's just let's settle down a little bit and just realize what we're getting into here. Hey, and look, if Michigan finds a way to win this, I mean, it is, it's all positive. If, even if you compete admirably, you show recruits like, Hey, we can hang with Bama. Um, if you get blown out, that's a, well, let's just not talk about this that. team has to show they're close to turning the corner has to show they're close. Michigan's an elite program as good as it has ever been. You can look at all the historical stats, Ohio state aside, this team is winning. Academics are high. There's no scandals. So as long as you're showing you're nearing just the pinnacle of on the field production and what you can do with the recruits you've had, maybe that lowers some of the higher end guys in there. And this team can really, take that next step to being the elite of the big 10 again that's how you make these 20s roaring baby i'm I'm all about it new decade new michigan program i'm here for it it starts against alabama and the citrus yep the first start first step in 2020 starts on january 1st can't wait for it brother all right, man, that's going to do it for us tonight on Out of the Blue. Make sure that you follow Maze and Brew on Twitter at Maze and Brew. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, all that jazz. Follow Andy and I on Twitter at Andy underscore Bailey one at Oblue87. Like, share, subscribe, leave a review for all your shows and content where you get your podcasts by searching Maze and Brew Podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. We'll be back with a brand new episode of Closing Time hosted by Anthony Broom. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.